0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
2: Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time now for A Veteran's Place. And we're finding out more and more that veterans are tuning in to America's Web Radio and listening to a place for veterans and also uh, remembering desert shield and desert storm and you know when we say a place for veterans what we're really saying is that we want to help the veterans out there that may or may not know some of the benefits uh that you have available your your family may not know some of the veteran benefits that they have available and we also want to point out that our government if you can imagine this has not been quite honest with us for many many years and uh, if you don't have it handy get your pen and pad and paper or whatever you write on Handy, and if you know a veteran or a veteran's family, they should be listening to this show and let me introduce our host for the show. it's dr don mower, and he's he was he's a veteran, he was a medic in Vietnam, and when he came back from Nam, went to dental school, became a dentist, and then also Decided after that that he wanted to uh, become an MD. So we have a dental specialist, and he's going to get into some terminology today that's going to blow your mind. That it's like um, our government and our our administrators and representatives keep throwing a shield up and saying. Oh, look, you can see through it. It's transparent. Well, Don has some information for you today that shows that it's not transparent and shows that what our government has... They're, they're like a magician, you know? they They get your attention looking at one hand, and while you're looking at that hand, they change something on you, and it's in the other hand. And... They uh, can do that with words and terminology and and uh, definitions, if they had definitions. But anyway, it's very important that you listen to this and understand what Dr. Moeller is talking about today. So with that being said, good morning, doctor.
3: Good morning, Dave. Thanks for the uh, welcome. And uh, you'd put an excellent frame around what we're going to be talking about today. On the menu for today, we're just going to open with a couple technical things that we're doing, trying to get care for the veterans at the VA. And then the next thing uh, we're going to do, we're going to have some real practical applications. And I'm going to call it the Rucksack Approach uh, to PTSD Treatment. And it's good for the EMTs and the firemen because they, they have their equipment. They got to haul into battle to the breathing apparatus for the firemen and your medical aid kit with the EMTs. So you're going to be able to relate to that analogy. And, uh, we've got a a lot of interesting things. And one of them is I've, before I come on the air, I review a lot of, uh, material and some of the stuff I reviewed is from psychologists are kind of, and they're trying to be helpful but I don't know that it's applicable for what we call complex PTSD, which is what veteran, veterans, firemen, EMTs, nurses, frontline doctors, that's, that's the kind of PTSD that you encounter uh, when you have daily stresses that can turn into super stresses. And so uh, I've I've kind of developed a different way of looking at this. We're going to talk about it and kind of bring together some concepts. So I'm first going to start with the the VA, and you're welcome, and I encourage the listeners to check it out. I had uh, Congressman uh, Ferguson's office, and he happens to be a dentist down here in South Georgia, uh, ask the VA what their definition of uh, oral health versus dental health, or oral... Healthcare versus dental healthcare was. Uh, this is not a trivial point. Uh, for example, when, when you're accused in a courtroom of something, they have to quote the specific sentence and paragraph in the law book or the public law, what you did wrong. If it's not specifically stated, they can't bring you to trial or bring your case to courtroom. Well, where I'm going with this is, the VA is using, has used, the non-definition of oral health uh, versus dental care to deprive care for at least 2 million veterans. Now, I will, I will demonstrate how they do this. Uh, if you define dental care as uh, fillings, implants, crowns, and dentures, and limit that to the definition, that's pretty pretty old-fashioned, and it doesn't apply anymore. Why? Because when you bring the word oral health in, it is not equivalent to dental health. And I'll tell you why. Oral health involves the jaw joints. It involves the muscles of the head and neck and back. If if your bite's off, yeah, it can work its way down your back. And I've had hundreds of patients that had this. This isn't an an anomaly. The other thing that happens is that veterans with PTSD have a different type of oral health problem than the average person with TMJ. The person with PTSD has an upregulated nervous system. And that means the same reason that you jump someone claps their hands, your phone goes off. It's called a startle reflex. Now, that's pervasive. We've talked before about the PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, being a pan-systemic disorder. That means it affects your whole body. It affects your immune system. It affects your uh, musculoskeletal system. It affects your endocrine system. It affects your cardiovascular system. These uh, are not uh, up for discussion. These are published scientific facts. So here's what we have. Somewhere along the continuum of whole health and oral health, there's a line that's crossed where physicians are involved. I want you to understand that dentistry, and I, and I like dentistry. I love dentistry. Uh, I am a dentist. But I also went to medical school, and here's, here's the problem as I see it. The dentists in the VA have, without authorization, taken over what they call oral health care. Well, that's kind of outrageous because, as a physician, when I look at a patient with PTSD, and I see that patient seemingly unharmed in his oral and maxillofacial apparatus, but he's grind, he or she, grinding their teeth, having nightmares and headaches, and we'll call them muscles of chewing, caused headaches, muscles of chewing caused sleep interruptions, and, and, and other things. Well, that is well beyond what a dentist is going to treat, because dentists have a scope of practice, and that is not to say that dentists cannot be trained to certainly be on the team. In fact, the American Dental Association has added two specialties, approved two specialties for board certification in the last couple of years, that being oral medicine and oral facial pain. Well, why would they do that? Because the American Dental Association realizes that oral health extends beyond the teeth, beyond the need for root canals and dentures. Well, that goes without saying. Well, back to my main argument. What we have here is a spectrum, which starts with, let's say, chipped teeth and teeth with cavities. And PTSD uh, patients have substance abuse disorders. And before we judge, say, why don't they just stop it? A lot of PTSD patients, they have nightmares and they just need to get some sleep. And they want an altered reality because they're tired of the nightmares. So we don't judge our brethren in battle, nor EMT, and our first responders. We're not wearing their shoes. So they just can't stop it. So you have additional dental problems that are involved. Well, as we move up the scale, we see the PTSD affects endocrine system. Look at the amount of patients with PTSD above the normal population numbers that have diabetes, that have hypertension, that have cardiovascular disease. Again. This science cannot be questioned. It's it's in the literature, hundreds of articles. So where am I going with this? There is a line on that continuum. Well, oral health is involved. Well, what makes the VA dentists think they're in charge of it? Well, they're not. If you have a tumor in your mouth, uh, a cancerous tumor. You're, you're going to have it removed by either a plastic surgeon or an ear, nose, and throat surgeon or a specially trained oral and maxillofacial surgeon. But you have to remember the ear, nose, and throat doctor and general surgeon who became a plastic surgeon never went to dental school, and they don't intend on going to dental school. The, the scope of practice for oral health as it involves the joints, as it involves Muscles, at, mastication, chewing, and swallowing are part of an integrated system, and that's affected by PTSD. Now, here's the magic trick, and Dave, I absolutely love your analogy. Here's the magic trick. The VA, because of budget constraints or power struggles, wants you to believe that the dentists are in charge of oral health. Those days are long gone. And I'm going to tell you in a few in a few minutes. And we're not going to beat this to death because we're here to help veterans with PTSD. But here's what's going on. Don't you think it's odd that the Veterans Health Association, I mean uh, administration, they have 3,642 scientists. Not one of them is involved in dental research or oral health research, and it never has been. The 15,000 papers, and this is all from the VA websites. Of the 15,000 or more funded projects and publications which they tout, not one of them involves oral health or dental care or oral health and medical health combined. I find that extremely odd. If you look at their training programs, they have programs for endodontics, root canals, prosthetics, uh, that's your dentures, general dentistry, and gum disease, periodontics. Well, I'm I'm curious why they don't have any in oral medicine or oral oral facial pain. Why? It's also amazing that they don't have any programs that sponsor research mentorship. That's also amazing to me. It looks like they have no intention. You can form your own opinion, but to me, as as a researcher, I find it extremely odd that all the published research on PTSD manifestations uh, in associations with oral health are from the private sector. That's amazing. The VA is to care for those who have borne the battle. Well, PTSD affects two million veterans. And I think it's an outrage that the VA has not done An appropriate amount of research in oral health and PTSD, you can form your own conclusion. You can go to the national registry or clinical registry of all research where they um, uh, put up research projects that are currently being done, and and you'll find that there are none in oral health and PTSD. There never have been, and there are none planned. So why have I asked them to define oral health? Well, you certainly can't uh, begin a research program and apply for grants to do it if you don't even know what oral health is. And I am right now stating unequivocally that Congressman Ferguson, his chief of staff, sent in a request to the VA over a month ago, and I asked, please define the difference between dental care and oral health. They have not done so. Now, if an attorney sends you a request for production of documents, you have 30 days to respond, especially if it's not a huge case with a lot of documents. Why would the VA not define oral health? It's my opinion. The reason they don't do so is they intentionally, they are intentionally wanting confusion, just like you said, Dave, like a magic act to make the veterans think you don't get dental care or oral health care for your problems. My last statement is, if you go to the VA dentistry website, the dental page, it will have a direct quote, and I've made posters out of these, that makes reference to oral health is part of whole health, really. Where does it start and where does it stop? Because if the VA is responsible for our whole health, our veterans' whole health, where is that fine line where oral health becomes dental care, which is denied? My final statement before we get into some more productive material is that only 15% or less of veterans are eligible for dental care. On that, I, I, I think that's – go
2: ahead, Dave. On that note, uh, let's take a break, let people think about it and digest what you've been saying. And uh, we'll come back in just a minute with more from – Dr. Mueller on A Veteran's Place.
0: The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. You're
1: listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
2: And we're back on America's Web Radio in a veteran's place with our host, Dr. Don Moeller. And he's bringing up some excellent points that, you know, if you're taking notes, these are points that you need to ask your congressman, your representative, your senator. You know, it's it's like the best way I can describe it is like the little old lady. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? And ask him... Where's the dental health care? So back to you, Don.
3: Thanks, Dave. You really summed it up. Uh, Now we're going to go for some stuff that can help the families and the guys with PTSD. And I appreciate what the psychologists and mental health care providers are trying to do. But I have a feeling that a, a very small percentage of them have had PTSD. Now, you don't have to have been pregnant. To be an obstetrician and be a man and deliver babies that's that's obvious and you don't need to have ptsd to be a a mental health counselor but it definitely um gives you some insight in it now what i'm doing today these are my thoughts and also when you have ptsd not crippled by it but affected by it you know sometimes those mental health counselors make some statements that like if you only understood, and I look at him, I said, do, "Do you really get what's going on?" And and God bless them, they're trying. But you know, the guys that are born in the battle have a better idea of what's going on than those that read about it in history books. So let me read a, read this, and I got this out of one of the journals, and I paraphrase it: PTSD is a normal reaction to a very abnormal event, and the emphasis is on the relation of normal to abnormal. Now, when you put any lab rat or any animal in a severe, stressful uh, situation, they're going to have follow-up effects from that event. But what makes the difference between that animal's reaction and a human? And I'm going to get religious now, and if people don't like it, you, hopefully you have a delete button on your uh, computer, just hit click and watch a sports event. But I'm calling this the rucksack or backpack theory of PTSD. And I'm doing that for a specific, pers- or for a specific person. You know, PTSD is has been put on you. The lab rat that gets the PTSD phenomena, a stress reaction, doesn't know what's going on. But the PTSD that humans suffer has its basis in several factors. And we can we have a consciousness that animals don't, and I won't even debate this with uh, atheists, because they're going to lose. They need to catch up with the recent literature. But at any rate, the normal rucksack uh, that a soldier carries or equipment a p- policeman carries, the battle rattle, so to speak, has to be balanced and has to be packed appropriately. Well, my, my idea here is to tell our veterans and first responders, if you have PTSD, that is not you who you are. That is the rucksack that you've been told you have to carry. Now, why do I use this analogy? If you're a hero, if you're an army ranger, special forces, infantry guy, armor, artillery, I don't care who it is, military sexual trauma, you get the idea of a rucksack. Well, the rucksack isn't you. You've had a lot of weight put in your r- rucksack, which you have to deal with. Well, here's the way I address therapy. A lot of veterans won't go in for care, especially the big guys, the heroes. Well, I will tell you something. This, this therapy that I'm going to tell you about is just simply unro- unloading your, uh, your rucksack. It's got too much in it. It has nothing to do with you. Now, Dave, this is going to sound like an outrageous thing, but I can just guarantee you, as out of shape as I am, if I'm allowed to put as many concrete blocks and bricks in a rucksack of the best Army Ranger or Navy SEAL, I can beat them in an athletic competition. Now, that's hideous, but it's it's a nonsense statement. Obviously, if I put 1,000 pounds, I'm sooner or later going make it, to make it impossible for a to SEAL or a, a recondo guy from Marines or firemen or policeman to become unable to handle that load. That's not a testament to my athletic capability. Now, if that Ranger, because I'm in the Army or Special Forces or SEAL guy goes, why don't we take some bricks and concrete blocks and lead weights out of my backpack Well, here's my point. That is not making that individual any less of an individual to say, I have to take some of this garbage out of my rucksack. And that's what we're talking about, what I'm going to talk about today. We're not talking about you, a patient or a family member or somebody who's got PTSD. The the problem is people with PTSD think PTSD is them. It's not. It's a rucksack that you have to carry. But how much garbage that you have to carry in that rucksack is up to you. I'm going to say that again. It is nothing against you as a human being with anyone with PTSD that if you have a rucksack that's overloaded, you can't take some of the weight out. Why? Your rucksack is not you. So if you say, hey, I'm really down, I don't feel like talking to people, I saw some garbage in combat, that's not you. That's your rucksack. It's got too much garbage in it. And I think therapy should, a portion of the therapy should be letting soldiers, first responders, seamen, Navy guys, Air Force, you know I'm including everybody. Your PTSD is your rucksack, it's not you. Why? Because you have a spirit. An animal, don't point to an animal research with stress reactions and say it's the same thing as PTSD because it's not, a PTSD in a human. So we're going to move on and I'm going to talk about, you, you you need to start with your therapy is going to be unloading your rucksack. I'm not even talking about the PTSD right now, I'm talking about your PTSD rucksack. First of all, it's a neutral statement. You go up to a hero, a guy you know who's born the battle, and said, "Look, your rucksack's got too much garbage in it. We have to unload it." That's not a value statement. It's a neutral statement. It's saying you can't carry 800 pounds in your rucksack. We need to get something out of it. Now, how does that? How does that help? Well, it's not a value judgment or a statement of your fitness or manliness, womanliness, or tough guy It's simply saying we would like to make a neutral statement saying you've got a lot of stuff in your rucksack that if we can get it out of there, we can certainly change your life. Now, why do I say that? If you've got PTSD, more than likely you're going to carry a rucksack for the rest of your life, labeled PTSD. That's just the way it is. That's okay. But what I'm saying is how heavy that's gonna be is totally up to you. And it's a neutral statement. And we're gonna talk about therapies and and tactics uh, to get rid of that. Now, let me talk about weight loss. I can guarantee you, if you wanna lose weight, the easiest way to do it is not to walk 30 miles a day, because if And you really need to look it up. A pound of fat, I think you have to walk 350 miles to get it off. I'm not sure, but it's just some outrageous amount. Maybe it's 35 miles. I don't know. My point is, if you get a calorie counter or, you know, a little paperback for five bucks, that's the easiest way to lose weight because you're not putting all that stuff in there. So what I'm talking about is the rucksack theory of PTSD, is the efficient way to work on your PTSD problem. And it's neutral. You just say, hey, you talk to the chaplain, you talk to the psychiatrist, say, hey, i got too much junk in my backpack. We need to get it out. That's, that's not a value statement. Now, let me tell you something about how the amygdala, hippocampus, and prefrontal cortex work. Now, you can go back and look in the archives because we talked about that. Now, you go, how can you change the hardwiring of my brain with PTSD? Well, I'll give you an example. I didn't know how to swim, I think, till I was about 13 or 14 years old. I wouldn't go on a boat dock. I wouldn't go in a boat. The water was a fearsome place. It was potential death. And I, and I had no near-drowning experience, but I can guarantee you that if, a, that if you were a person that had a near-drowning experience... Your amygdala is hardwired and your hippocampus that anything that looks like a threat is going to be identified and you're going to take evasive actions. Well, we all know that now that I can swim, the water is actually a place to have a good time. Why? Because you automatically know you have now been hardwired, you've been rewired, and it cancels out the amygdala awareness and the hippocampus processing that that water is a fun place to be, and that's the same thing that we're going to do with the backpack, your rucksack. If you can learn to swim and you know it's possible, that fear factor, and if you don't, if you've ever had the fear of drowning, you know that it's very real, and you go, I'm hardwired to it. I can't overcome that. My point is that you can. It's called neuroplasticity. In fact, I pick swimming as an example because you go from it's terrifying and I'm going to die to I can't wait to get to the lake and horse around in the water. Okay? So it is possible. Now, let me talk about swimming. You do not learn to swim as a whole process. And I'm referring to unloading your backpack. You don't cut the backpack loose. To swim, think about it. You learn unassociated steps, which you will then associate with a whole process. The second thing about these unassociated steps, each by themselves is easy to learn. But the execution is the coordination of doing them all together. That's the hard part. Now, I'm making the analogy with PTSD. It's You think of it as learning to swim. We're going to suggest some things that you might do. Well, that's the same thing as learning to swim. You learn your arms. You learn the kick. You learn how to position your head. But, but doing them all together. But again, don't ever think that this is a waste of time because there's millions of people who couldn't learn to swim. Probably everybody who can swim never knew how to swim. That's a statement, okay? <laughs> so everyone had to un- overcome their fear of drowning in order to learn to swim. And that's where I'm going with PTSD. That rucksack has got too much weight in it. And we're going to talk about asymmetry in a minute.
2: But, but I will let you know from break
3: that when I start to, Dave.
2: Yeah, we're going to talk about right. it when we come back from break. Okay. So we'll take our second break, and uh, we'll be back in just a moment on a place for veterans.
1: Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor Show. Make sure you listen
2: every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor Show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor Show, only right here on America's Web Radio. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show? talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio. Just email gm at americaswebradio.com, and we'll get back to you. Thank you.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening
2: and we're back on a place for veterans with Dr. Don Muller and uh, his swimming lessons but you know it's well what you're talking about Don makes so much sense in that it it's it's coordination of getting the right hand and arm working with the left foot and left leg and same with uh, the left hand and the right leg. And it's coordinating kicking and pulling with your hands as you're swimming. And I think your analogy of, of uh, that with PTSD is, you, you know, I think you and a lot of other folks have proven that you just can't say poof and PTSD is gone. You have to co- coordinate the effort throughout the body, and uh, one major portion of it, as you've learned and as you've been teaching, is the ability to sleep at night and how important that is for the person that has PTSD. So, with that said, back to you.
3: Well, Dave, that's, I like your comments. I really do. And I'm going to make a statement here. When you learn to swim, your brain sees it as, and you don't. You you just see it as frustration if you can't do it. But your brain sees it. This guy's asking us to do a whole lot here, so or this gal is asking us to do a lot. Well, what I got some swim fins, and that changed the whole thing. Now the prevailing theory was if you learn to swim with swim fins, you'll drown if they fall off. Well, first of all, I didn't say I went to do a trans-English channel swim for the, my first lesson. So that theory's false. But here's, here's the analogy I'm making with, with mental health care. The swim fins, I found out I was a skinny little kid. I couldn't float. So I couldn't, I couldn't keep myself moving to learn anything else. I had to get rolling. And, Dave, this is where the sleep comes in. You've got to get a good night's sleep. But here's where we're going with it. When I wore the swim fins and I kicked my feet, my body started to go through the water like a motorboat. And they were huge Navy frog, frogman skin uh, fins. An uh, old guy down the street <laughs> gave them to me, threw them in the trash. But at any rate, I put those on. And as soon as I kicked, I became buoyant. I became buoyant. And then I could add the stroke and the swimming. But the problem is if you don't get an initial momentum going... In, in, in your PTSD, it's very difficult to, to to finish the rest. So you look for what the therapists call as a stuck point, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Now, riding a bike, again, is a suite of special integrated circumstances which are learned separately. But here's something uh, that we have to look. Each step is viewed as, by your brain as a go or no go. Now, here's what I'm saying. Each step that you're gonna teach your brain for recovery from PTSD, let's take anger. Step one is observation. Step two is expectation of what's gonna happen. But then there's the physical, physiological anticipation of what's gonna happen. Then you're gonna cook off, that's gonna be your action then there's going to be a reassessment of that outcome. Now, falling off a bike or drowning is no longer going to be you. You're going to look at your PTSD as easily overcome with a skill set, just like riding a bicycle or swimming. You're confident in your skill set. You're confident that they're going to take place. You've learned them and you've integrated them. So you no longer, and write this down and underline it. You're no longer going to expect failure. That's why I use riding a bicycle and swimming, because most guys with PTSD and gals, firemen, police, can swim and ride a bicycle. But when you you forget how you learned to ride a bicycle, and so what happens is you have to break down into 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 several steps. When you look at a disintegration of, let's say, a social situation, you have to look at that and look at, like, riding a bike or failing learning to swim or failing. There are pre-steps to falling off that bike. And underline this. These are the skill sets. Your brain is learning pre-fall tactics. Once you are halfway on the off the bike you're going to fall so what your brain is doing is learning the early signs of an upcoming fall off your bike that's what you're really teaching yourself in swimming my problem was i couldn't get enough speed my brain could never learn what it's like to lose momentum when you start to sink this is how you implement your PTSD learning skills, and we're going to continue with this and, and help and talk about. Have but you, you have uh, to understand.
2: Have you talked social... to uh, ahead, you talked to your uh, president about falling off of bicycles? <laughs> maybe he has PTSD. Yeah. I don't. No, I, I tell you one other one other thing that I would like to. Uh, approach you with, I guess maybe that's as good a word as any, but is that you may be on a beginner bicycle with the training wheels, and then you get the training wheels off, and you're on your own. You're, you're mentally holding that bicycle up, and it's not tilting over, and the training wheels aren't there any longer to keep it from tilting one way or the other. But the other thing is, like with your swimming example and riding a bicycle or anything else. And I assume you can tie this into uh, PTSD as well, is that all of a sudden you've learned to swim, and it doesn't matter whether it's your swimming pool or the one next door, you're not intimidated by the water that's in the pool. Same way with riding a bicycle. Uh, You may not have your bicycle at Hilton Head, but you can rent one, and you're not intimidated by that bicycle. You have learned a skill set, and my question is, can you do that with PTSD?
3: Absolutely. And, the, and first of all, I, I, I like to consider myself right now because I'm not selling anything as a salesman. You see, I like the fact that you brought up the training wheels. What do the training wheels do? they allow you to almost complete the task of riding the bike and your brain can pick up early signals of a possible failure. I'm going to repeat that. The training wheels allow you to learn to pedal and control the front and balance, but it keeps you, and I'll use the engineering term, in the envelope of operational area, okay? And that means... It takes a lot longer to ride a bike if you exceed the envelope of stability and you fall off and hit the ground. Well, first of all, it hurts and you don't want to do it again. The little training wheels allow you to learn. Let's say there are ten skills to ride a bike. It learns you. It allows you to learn and get proficient at seven of them, and you learn where you're approaching the envelope of failure. Now, how do I apply that to PTSD? Well. In your training, and let's say, uh, and you know, I'm going to bring this up. <laughs> uh, Admiral, uh, Jackson was, uh, handcuffed in, uh, it was in the news. It, he was the president's doctor, the White House doctor. He was a Navy admiral and now he's a congressman. Well, here's the situation. He, he was at a, a public event. Some girl was having a seizure. I don't know what transpired, but he went in and said, I'm a doctor. I can help you here. Well, how does, that, how, does, how does that apply to PTSD? Firemen, soldiers, veterans, you name it. We see an emergency. We're trained for it. We move in. Our amygdala is spotting. We know what to do, and this is it. Enter a stupid person, okay, who goes back off. Well, Barney Fife the idiot said, Back off. Well, a physician who said, Look, this, I'm a doctor, and this is what I need to do. And guess what? That's the same thing that happens in the anger situation with PTSD. You try as, this guy's an admiral. This guy is a congressman. And he got thrown in the dirt and handcuffed. Well, think. Think about PTSD. <laughs> There's a point, folks, where you're just going <laughs> to, we're going to cook off, okay? That's just what it is. And I wish, you know, you can't tell that doctor, the president's physician, or ex-president's physician, to say, back off, stay cool. Not why someone's in the process of un- being undiagnosed. It is an extremist. You see, what I'm trying to do is teach you skills now, uh, that work in everyday life. When you hit an emergency, we're the sheepdogs, and if the sheep's getting chewed up by a wolf, we're going to break our leash and go. So I wanted to put that caveat in there. That's the process of PTSD. He tried to stay cool. He followed the rules, said, look, blah, 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 and it didn't matter. So I'm not living in in fantasy land here, but the things that I'm going to relate to you are going to be effective. Why? Because this is not... A, 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 a condemnation of people with PTSD. It's simply saying you've got a, a rucksack that, that no one can do the obstacle course. Now, remember, an obstacle course is also called a confidence course. We're going to cover that in, another, in the next weeks on the radio show. Okay? So, if you try and learn to ride a bicycle with a heavy rucksack, it's going to be extremely difficult. Because not only do you have to deal with your own weight, but your body is not used to how that weight is going to act when combined with an asymmetric rucksack. Okay. Same thing with learning to swim. Now, what's what are you teaching your body? And we're going to get into the specific skills. Your, your brain is looking for, as we talked about, pre-fall experience. What key indicators of all the systems your brain is monitoring, your cerebellum, believe it or not, your cerebellum has more neurons than your cortex. Go figure. So your cerebellum is working with your cortex. What's happening? Well, I'll tell you what's happening. If you have your rucksack on, your PTSD rucksack, little things that bug most people or wouldn't bug most people are accentuated by your heavy rucksack, it's just that simple. You say, well, how, how I have to carry a rucksack on my bike. Well, you learn to ride the bike first before you, you load your rucksack up. Not only that, if you say, look, I have to wear my rucksack, I got PTSD, you take everything out of it during your train session. And you learn, your brain is looking for signals of a collapsing situation. But you first of all have to admit that those that collapsing situation is common to the disorder of PTSD. So that's that's part of what we're what we're talking about. And I, and I use it in an analogy because it doesn't do any any good to talk in theory. Now, what happens? And now we're going to get into the specifics. Target resolution. do you don't... understand?
2: Before we yeah. get into that, let's, let's take our last break, and uh, we'll be back with Dr. Don Moeller on A Veteran's Place right after a couple of messages.
0: Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash americaswebradio. If you have questions, contact us at gm@america'swebradio.com. At and as always, thank you for listening.
2: Okay, and we're back on America's Web Radio with Dr. Don Moeller and A Veteran's Place. So it's all yours, Don.
3: Thanks, Dave. Now, here are the specifics that we're talking about. Let's take anger management. Oh, matter of fact, uh, I think that's a good word. You're going to meet some jerks, at least like the congressman position did. That are gonna get in your way that you didn't expect. Well, what we're talking about is how to get through daily life. High probability you're not gonna be confronted with that every day, what the congressman had to go through. Well, your brain is now looking for targets. You have to give your brain a target for it to work. If you want to be successful, you gotta say, we wanna go you have to go to college or become a machinist or go to technical school. Well, then your brain starts looking for technical schools and programs that you can get into and qualify. Well, your brain is looking for targets. So the first thing you do is you break your anger situation down into steps your brain wants to hear about, not what you think. You have to understand. Your brain is looking for cues. Let's talk about the congressman. The congressman's brain saw somebody on the ground. The congressman's brain looked at it. Well, the congressman surgeon's brain was saying, when you go into an emergency room, and I've been there, hi, I'm Dr. Mueller." well, the nurses and techs don't crowd around the patient to keep you from seeing the patient. You expect the crowd to move like the doctors here were going to fix something. That was the congressman's learned algorithm. Well, what happened? Why did he get angry? Why did he start cursing? Look, this guy's a doctor. He's a congressman. He's a human being, just like people with PTSD. You're a human being. And he arrived on that situation, and Barney Fife blocked him off. His, He was off his algorithm. Now, police, firemen, you have algorithms. So do soldiers, so do surgeons, so do nurses. But here's what we're talking about. We're talking right now about social interactions with people on the street and, your, let's say, your family members. You need to identify those things that start to throw you off balance. That's when you need to correct them. That's when your brain kicks in saying, oh, this is what makes me angry. Like I went to rent a car and uh, they said it'd be, uh, it's not ready. It would be ready in an hour. I said, well, okay, be back in an hour. You come back in an hour and it's not ready. I immediately said to myself, this person that I'm talking to doesn't run the company. This person doesn't clean the cars. So you have to step back and you your brain goes, this is going to be a trigger point here. Because see, in the military or, or, or the first responders, if, you, if if Assad says have that truck ready to go, and the guy's on a smoke break, supposed to be pulling a wrench and get it going. You're going to jump on him, and that's just the way, that's our culture. Same with the police, you know. If some guy's supposed to have that car ready, the radio ready, and your battle ready, and it's not ready, you jump them because that's the culture. You have to understand that. That's not the culture of the people you're dealing with. So what am I saying? Your brain's algorithm. You're now looking at that in the context of your training, of you starting to go like riding a bike. You're starting to fall. That's when you de-escalate. So I walked up to the counter, and I realized this person was an idiot and was trying to fool me with the verbal magic. Oh, well, well this is a particular case. And I, you know, I said, just, just stop. You're not ready. It's not your fault. And see, I already knew from the algorithm this is where the PTSD was going to start talking. And what do you do? you recognize that that stuff is gonna come. And I gave you the five steps about, the first is like observing, and then it's assessing. That's what your amygdala is doing. You have to practice this, just like practice. I love my wife, I've been married 46 years, but my wife is aware that if you keep harping on me, I'm trying to back off, and some people just keep coming. And so I realized, here we go, and now you're on the falling off the bicycle algorithm. So what you have to do is you say, look, I'm wearing a heavy backpack that gives me a disadvantage in balance. I have to conduct myself, not like the rest of the people, I have to conduct myself to account for the fact I got a big backpack on, it's probably overloaded, and it's not evenly loaded. So in every situation that you enter, you've got to put that mindset on. But here's what happens. Pretty soon that will become you. The new you, the new ba- un the new unoverloaded backpack will be you. But you have to identify the items in the backpack one by one and take them out. If you need help, That is not a lick on you. You simply are going in to the unit supply guy going, we need, I can't carry this stuff in this backpack. It either hurts or I'm not balanced. When you go see a chaplain, that has nothing to do with you. It has to do with you're coming in to have somebody get some stuff out of your backpack or your rucksack. It is not a value statement. I can I can tell you, and Dave, you'll tell me that you were in the infantry, uh, and I was assigned with them. You, you put on a tough face. And for some reason, you think if you're flawed, it, the Army has, uh, you know, uh, not serviceable. Well, I had guys in, when I was in the Army coming in, and they said, I don't want any dental care. And I said, I agree with you. I don't think you should have it, but here's the problem your army equipment and i'm here to service you okay and they just cracked up i said that's the fact you see you have to get out of the mindset that ptsd is you it's not it's your reaction was a normal reaction we're going to get into some residual things but the thing i'm going to leave the listeners with today you can learn to swim and stop being afraid of the water and it works you can go from hating and dreading the water to enjoying it, but it's a series of steps, and we're going to talk about small things that you can do gradually. For example, my wife made a statement. We stayed at a nice hotel, which we normally don't do, and we got a good night's sleep, and she got up in the morning, and she said it's all about endorphins, and I realized that's what started me on this this whole thing. Here's what you do. You take a neutral thing like unloading your backpack, anger. thats You didn't ask for anger. That's, that's what your system gave you. So what you do when you take something out of your backpack, that's an endorphin-producing moment. It's fun. Like you're riding a bicycle and you catch it before you eat the pavement. That's an endorphin-releasing event. That's just the way it is. So here's the key this week. If you're a family member that has another member who's got PTSD, you have to improve uh, your performance. So how do you do it? You select easily obtainable endorphin-producing things. Like I get up in the morning, and there were dirty dishes. You know what? My wife made a great meal. I loved it. So I said, you know, while I'm making my coffee, I can't do anything. I'm going to clean the dishes up for her. Well, that was an endorphin-producing moment. I start my day with an endorphin-producing thing. You get something done, you avoid an argument. And that's all I'm saying. And, and, and to add to that, my wife is an incredibly good cook. She's an RN, intensive care nurse. And I'm treated to another meal because I'm doing the dishes. So that's what I'm trying to say. You, you, you connect something on that chain that's going to make you fall off the bicycle you connect that with training that produces an endorphin-releasing event. And you that's the same thing as when I put my fins on and started swimming. I immediately improved my game, and that was an endorphin-producing moment. And that's what you have to do. And we're going to talk about little things you can do. But right now, I want to give you the, the science behind it. For example, one, one therapist mentioned that if you're – don't feel like thinking in the morning. Lay out on your bed what you're going to wear. Get your coffee ready to go so you just plug it in. Okay? You don't have to make a decision until later in the day if you say, I just don't feel like making a decision. Those are endorphin-producing small things that you can do. So to sum up, you need to identify, let's we just talk about anger. What makes you angry? Where do does the anger occur? Well, it doesn't occur when you're driving on a country road, but it occurs on a highway when people are cutting you off. Well, don't take that highway, and that's where you're going to solve that one. Okay? You're going to have to modify the environment until you're ready for it. So we're going to get into the specific details. We're going to continue this discussion uh, next week and for the next few weeks. Uh, And the exciting thing is, is I'm telling you, step one you know the, the the longest journey starts with a step is getting motivated for that first step and i'm going to bring in the god question right now the first step for a human being with a soul is is the easiest step and here's what we're going to talk about next week you are not ptsd you are not the ptsd god had no intention for you to live a miserable life the first step is trusting god Period. First step takes no energy on your part, and that's an endorphin-producing first step. God loves you. He's going to take care of you, and that's free. And you've already got your first step, and it didn't take any effort. Now, that's the beauty of the thing we're going to talk about next week. God did not design you and does not desire PTSD as a punishment. You simply have a bigger backpack, and we're going to tell you how to unload
2: it. Don, we're going to have to wrap it up with that. And uh, we'll be back next week with Dr. Don Moeller and more about PTSD and what you can do about it. And be sure and tell your friends and your buddies that you had in the service uh, that might have PTSD or that you know have PTSD. And tell them to listen to America's Web Radio. We've got the greatest programs going for vets. We'll be back next week. Don, thank you.
0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.